Tonight on Friday Night Prophecy, it's the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy, an in-look analysis of Scripture and the world events. That's next, here on the West Coast Gospel Hour, so stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome. It is going to be another great night as I'll be joined by my co-host and partner, Io from Mitsu Study, as we uh, take an in-depth view of the current events of the week, how they relate to Bible prophecy, and an in-depth look at Scripture uh, as we discuss Bible prophecy. That's next here on the West Coast Gospel Hour as uh, we'll be joined shortly by my co-host and partner, Io from Amitsu Study. I hope that you are having a great week, right? And uh, as always, we want everyone to know that... Uh, uh, the discussions that we do here are meant to always point back to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, none of us are perfect here. We're flawed individuals. We make mistakes. Uh, no one makes more mistakes than me. I'm the first one to say that. But we always want to point everything back towards Jesus. And uh, that's the important part. And we hope that um, you're motivated at the end of each of these studies to put your heart and mind and soul and body completely focused on Jesus. Uh, and in that, uh, that it causes you to love God and to love others. And that's the, that's the main course that we want to always invite you um, to do is to just fall in love with Jesus, right? That's the, that's the ultimate goal here and to get to know him. Uh, that's what makes Christianity so unique is that it's a relationship um, that you can have with God. That's the coolest part, I think, about being a follower of Jesus Christ is to get to know the one who died on the cross for your sins, um, to have a deep relationship with God. And so God bless you all for joining us tonight. Um, tell a friend, tell a family member, Tell someone that you know, hey, it's Friday Night Prophecy here on Instagram. Uh, remember, as always, you can uh, check out this live and uh, listen to it again on a replay. Or you can go to all the major podcast platforms and uh, listen to them there as well. From uh, uh, Anchor, Spotify, they're all there. All right? Well, let's see. Uh, we should... Have everyone here tonight. Let me see if uh, who's in the room, and uh, we'll get this started. All right. Just waiting for Io to join us, and uh, uh, then we'll get started. Okay. Okay. Welcome everyone. I hope you're all doing great. And uh, by the way, if any of you have any questions tonight, please hit the uh, little question mark symbol there and uh, we'll read off your questions and go from there. But it's going to be a good night tonight and it's going to be awesome. Um, hey, let's begin with prayer and uh, then we'll go from there. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you, Father God. We ask you to help us tonight that um, you will guide us in your steps, Lord, through um, 
what we want need to talk about tonight. Uh, that Lord, you will help us and and lead us in a um, a discussion about the news events. And but Lord, we pray that most of all that tonight you would guide us by your Holy Spirit to a place where we can um, completely focus on you and give our lives to you, Lord. May you be honored in everything that we do. May um, we point everything in your direction, Lord, and not in ours. And this is our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feeling pretty good. It's uh, good to have you all here. And um, we will get started in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, we've had a, a couple of great uh, discussions that we've talked about in the, in the last couple of months about different aspects of Bible prophecy. And, you know, the, the thing that keeps coming up, I think, the most in the discussions about Bible prophecy is uh, digital currency. And what is going on there? And it's interesting because there's a lot of articles relating to uh, digital currency out there right now as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. And, you know, one of the first ones that we're going to discuss and we're going to get started is we're waiting for Io to join us. Um, and there he is. And we will bring him on. All right. Um, is the... There you hey, are, brother. Hey, you're a little bit late tonight. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, we were going to get ready to discuss the digital currency, and uh, um, I was hemming and hawing until you got on board. Uh, until you know, making some uh, really bad, um, non-Hollywood recommended you know hymns and haws as we were waiting for you. But we we're going to discuss digital currency tonight, and it and it seems to be a, a worldwide agenda. Um, as I've led us in, and already led us in prayer, by the way, I.O. Um, but digital currency just seems to be a worldwide agenda. Every country seems to be affected by it. And you really had an interesting um, couple articles about it. But let, let's talk about it. It seems like 95%, one statistic showed 95% of all countries now have a digital currency agenda uh, involved in their economics. Yeah, yeah. Worldwide. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just like you brought up, this is something that we've talked about, you know, very well for the past year, two years now. It's something that we recently, we always, you know, usually bring up there. And so much so that you guys are probably tired of it by now, always hearing about digital currency and CBDC and cryptocurrency. But just like Brother Stefan said, you know, what, like 90%, 95% of the, uh, you know, the countries of the world, I think other people say like, you know, 108 plus nations or whatever, you know, however you want to twist it. Um, a lot of nations around the world right now are at least in the research phase of CBDC or central bank digital currency and trying to implement that. And one way we see this is in the UK. Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about how um, the new king of you know Britain, um, how he's very much into like crypto and, and CBDC and these things like that. And they're saying that, hey, with the new king, with the new monarch, well, not necessarily new mind, but just the new power, um, the new power placement there. What people have been seeing, it's like Barclay was saying that, hey, we, you know, the UK might go cashless sooner, it might start transitioning to more of a cash society and embracing CBDC. And I feel like one of the ways we're seeing that is with the new placement of the UK Prime Minister. So this is from Crypto Daily. Incoming UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is pro-crypto, 
And uh, although this article focuses on crypto, uh, it's very different than CBDC, central bank digital currency. So crypto is very, very popular. A lot of you guys know it, you know, Bitcoin and, you know, and all these things, Ethereum uh, that people are investing in. Uh, why that is so popular is because it's decentralized, meaning that not one nation, there's no single nation or, you know, state or whatever that's controlling it. It's just out there. It's not controlled by anyone. And that's kind of the appeal of it. Um, people are trying to use it. They're, they're like, hey, you know, we're basically, you know, showing the man and, you know, trying to circumvent um, nations, various currencies. Um, but governments don't like that for that reason, right? It's decentralized. Now, governments, to combat that, they're trying to you know, regulate crypto. I know Biden administration has been trying to do that. And they're even trying to go further and create their own CBDs, their own central bank digital currency which by the way is centralized, which is controlled by the government of that uh, select nation. So I just wanted to highlight that difference quickly, even though the article here focused on cryptocurrency, overall Rishi Sunak, this new UK prime minister, has overall general positive outlook concerning um, digital currency in general. And that, that says a lot. So the article says the United Kingdom has elected its new prime minister, Rishi Sunak, following the resignation of Lee's trust and like trust, Sunak is also pro-cryptocurrencies. Following what can only be described as a very tumultuous time for the United Kingdom, the country has elected its newest prime minister, Sunak, becomes the second pro-crypto prime minister after trust, who only lasted in office for 45 days. And that was a huge news there, um, that she only was in office for 45 days. So that was a big thing. I'm sure you guys heard about it. Sunak served under former prime minister Boris Johnson as chancellor of the ex exchequer. That's a French word. I should know how to pronounce that better because I took French. But anyways, to continue. And during the service, made his interest in cryptocurrencies and blockchain known. In April, Prime Minister Sunak spearheaded plans to turn the UK into a hub for crypto asset technology and investment, along with advocating for the recognition of stable coins as form of payments. Um, he said in a statement, it's my ambition to make the UK a global hub for crypto asset technology and the measures that we've outlined today will help to ensure firms can invest, innovate, and scale up this country. So essentially, he's just really big into that. Another example of the hardcore highlights, he's into NFTs, non-fungible tokens. That's that digital art people sell and things like that, like cryptocurrency. Uh, so he said, the article says, the newly elected prime minister is also famous for asking the Royal Mint, the creator of British coins, to create non-fungible tokens, NFTs, as a way to demonstrate the country's commitment to become a global hub for cryptocurrency. So again... Even though this article is focused specifically on cryptocurrency, we're talking about it because he's there's been articles too in the past where he's, you know, for uh, at least the research and looking into a UK digital currency, right? So it has to do with digital currency in general, moving the UK from just a cash-based system to more of a digital system. Right now, the article is focused on crypto, but more so he looks at this type of system in a positive way. We've seen how, you know, many articles, many articles have covered cycle articles have shown that, hey, uh, you know, despite how, you know, great and amazing they're saying this looks, and oh my gosh, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna prevent tax evasion, it's gonna prevent fraud. They also highlight the fact that, hey, if you, if you go to a central bank digital currency system, if you go to a complete cashless system, you just give the government way more tools, way more method to surveil it, to track you. And we've talked about how, you know, people in, um, affluent um, positions around the world, around the governments of the world, have literally stated this is what they want to go to. So it's not hidden anymore. Uh, this isn't a conspiracy theory. You can look these things up, read people's statements themselves. Uh, we've talked about the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and things like this, and, and you know, Klaus Schwab, and 
the Great Reset, all this stuff is a part of this agenda, right? To move the world into a cash society, uh, to embrace central bank digital currency, digital IDs, things like that. And we just personally believe that, you know, with that type of technology, it could set the stage for, you know, the uh, Mark of the Beast system that's highlighted in Real Vision 13, 16 and 17. So that's why we bring that up to you guys. It's just show that, hey, things are happening in the UK. Things are moving, but not just UK, around the world as well. And this is the recent thing we're seeing in the UK. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's not just the UK, it's Japan. You, you actually have another article that you discussed about Japan that you're going to bring up in a moment. Um, I, I, I want to kind of give you an interesting stat to think about, right? Um, here are the top eight countries on who are promoting digital currency right now in the world. China's number one um, in that category. India's number two. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, Japan is, is number three on, in digital currency. Vietnam is um, actually number eight on mm. this. Um, Russia has their own digital currency program. They're ranked um, uh, number uh, five. Uh, Germany is number four um, in the digital currency. France is uh, number seven. United Kingdom is number six. Okay. Now, why am I bringing it up? Well, now let me list you in order, okay, of this, um, the top eight countries uh, that are atheist countries that have the largest atheist populations, all right, for you. Number one, China. Uh, approximately 95% of the country claims to be an atheist. It's pretty, pretty huge. Um, India. Um, it actually has 102 million people. We think of, of India as a Muslim country or a Hindu country. We know there's Christian segments in India. But 102 million people in India's population claim to be atheist. Japan is number three. 81 million people in Japan claim to be atheist. Vietnam is actually not that shocking because it's a communist country also, but 66 million. Russia... Um, has 34,507,000 people that claim to be atheists. By the way, Putin is not an atheist. He actually says, I'm not one. So that's pretty interesting. Germany is no surprise to me. 33 million people claim to be atheists in Germany. This one is interesting because um, it has a population of 61 million, and I'm going to cover that in a moment. Um, the country is heavily known to people think of it as a Catholic country, but it's actually not. It's France. France is out of its 61 million population, 25 million claim to be atheists. Okay. Think about that for a moment. And in number eight, the country you just mentioned, the United Kingdom, 18 million people claim to be atheists. Um, why is that interesting? Well, if you put that number together, the United Kingdom, 73% of the country, that means, are atheists out of the United Kingdom. Now, when you're putting that in with the, uh, the digital currency, you can start to see something very interesting taking place here in those European Union countries. You're starting to see an alignment of the denial of God's existence corresponding directly with atheism. Now, the site that I got this from, by the way, for anyone who wants to look it up, is called worldpopulationreview.com. 
Uh, they gave me the stats on the atheist population. Uh, we always want to give out our sources because we want to be highly accurate. But this does correlate. We're going to get to France in just a moment because I have an interesting thing, a little perspective um, to, uh, to bring up to you that I think might be interesting. But what are your thoughts on this, Ayo? Yeah, that's actually very interesting. I didn't know that at all. Uh, it's just funny how, you know, obviously went through the list of the, the nations who are really into CBDC. And then it's like, hey, if we also look at this list over here, we see that they're also high, you know, with the population of atheists. So that's very interesting. And I guess that in one sense, you know, if we actually think about it deeply, we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, the more a nation goes against God, we see more godless, I guess, initiatives um, where, you know, it's CBDC. A lot of people are sounding the alarm and saying, hey, it's going to give the government more power and it's going to take away privacy and it'll increase surveillance, things like that. So we shouldn't be surprised about that, uh, especially communist nations like, you know, like China, who is like the, the perfect example for this right if we're to you know look at the globus and talk about them they china will be the perfect example of what to replicate throughout the whole world right and they're largely the uh, atheist uh nation there so i'm not that, that's not surprising but it's very interesting uh that you brought that up so that's really interesting yeah it's um it, i i just think people need to look at this you know mm -hmm. and it's funny because out of the, the statistics that are out there on china you know they even have it broken down to committed you know, fundamentalist atheist. And it's, uh, it, it's just crazy that the percentage of atheists and what they think and their, and, and their mindset is. Um, but corresponding to digital currency, why? Because there's, it, it is the denial of God. It is the, it is the promotion of a one world government, right? Um, so that people can take their mind off God and focus on other things. And, um, on themselves, actually, and become very selfish and self-absorbed. And I think that this is one of the crises that we see in Scripture, right? I, isn't there um, the Scripture that talks about men will be lovers of themselves, right? Oh, yeah, of course, in the last days, yeah. Right. And, and the Christian perspective is the opposite, right? It's to love God and love others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and esteem others higher than yourself, I think, is in Philippians as well. So, yeah. Right, exactly. And so... I think this is one of the understanding that we as Christians have. Jesus, when he recited the Shema to the scribe, you know, he talked about, hey, what the goal is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yet the world is going away from that towards self, lovers yeah. of self. And this is one of the great crises that is happening in there. Um, you had the article about Japan you wanted to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in terms of Japan, I just noticed this interesting article concerning digital ID. And this is actually from the Washington Post. They posted and there's some other, um, other sources that talked about this as well. But they're essentially trying to step into a digital ID system um, and without much success. And Japan is very interesting for those who know the culture. It's like we see it as like a super high-tech you know, nation technology, and it is. Um, but some would argue that Israel even, you know, goes further than, than Japan in that sense. Um, but it's also weird because although they're super high tech in some areas, they're also very like old fashioned other areas. So, like they'll use like fax machines in, in some places of work. And then you, even though you'll see all this high tech technology. So Japan is just a, a mixture of these two things. And for that reason, the digital ID initiative they're trying to push there isn't, isn't having much 
uh, much progress there. But I just want to talk about this and, and talk about why I believe it's important to bring it up. Uh, so uh, the article says Japan has stepped up its push to catch up on dig digitization by telling a reluctant public they have to sign up for digital IDs or possibly lose access to their public health insurance. <laughs> so I mean, it's like you do this or you lose your health insurance. So I don't think that they'd like that, right? Um, as the naming implies, the initiative is about assigning numbers to people, similar to social security numbers in the US, many Japanese people, many Japanese worry their information might be misused or that their personal information will be stolen. Some view the my number, so the, this initiative is called my number. Some view the my number effort as a violation of the right to privacy, but the reluctance to go digital extends beyond the healthcare system. After numerous scandals over leaks and other mistakes, many Japanese distrust the government's handling data. They're also wary about government overreach, partly a legacy of authoritarian regimes, uh, or regime, sorry, before and during World War II. Uh, something drastic may have to happen. And, and I, I was like, oh, that's very interesting when they put it this way. They said, something drastic may have to happen for people to accept such changes. And we should think about that, especially with COVID. If you guys are familiar with the Gillian dialectic, right? Problem, reaction, solution, uh, where you basically, you have, you already have a, a solution, a, a, you already have a goal you want to achieve. So you either create a problem or use an existing problem you get a reaction for the people and you give them the solution they believe they would want, which is what you want in the first place. Um, so when I just read that, that something drastic may have to happen for people to accept some changes, that's been like the past two years we've been living under, right? That people will clamor for, you know, whatever they believe will save them, just as long as you save us from this thing. Um, and they'll accept anything. If, if, if they're in great fear, or they feel like they're in great peril. Um, so I just, for that reason, I just noted that part of the article. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. They were that. Uh, so just continue. Some Wait, say, say that yeah. again. They will accept anything. People are going to accept anything if they think they're in great peril. Yeah, in great peril or if they're in great so fear. So fear is driving the mindset oh. except um, a lot of these policies that are coming down. Let's say like the what we have referred to as the Luciferian um, uh, a plot of, of the, the vaccines and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so even somebody with the vaccine, and we, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, and we haven't talked about it recently as much because COVID has kind of been weighing down. But we've talked about this a bunch with COVID, which is kind of what you're bringing up there um, with, the, with the vaccine. But what we've been seeing with COVID and with everything is that because there's a lot of fear, you can use fear to make people do just about anything, right? And it's really interesting that that's the case with the human psyche, I guess, and how the Bible says that, hey, don't fear if you're not fear. Um, so it's almost as if God knows, you know, what, what can happen if we fear, um, we can do things that we normally wouldn't do. So, yeah, so it's just something that people need to be wary of and be careful of to, to not fear, uh, because when we're in this place of fear, we feel like we're in big, big distress. We can be made to do things that we normally wouldn't do. I believe it's first Timothy that says, for God has not given us a spirit yeah. here, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Once again, it, it gears the Christian towards loving one another, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So just to continue here, uh, just to finish off this article, uh, they said people feel this is about allocating numbers to people the way teams have numbers on their uniforms. They are worried it will lead to tired surveillance. Um, that's why people are saying no to this. Uh, and yeah, so they said on Monday, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida acknowledged concerns on my number cards. He told lawmakers in Parliament that old health insurance cards will be phased out. But the government will arrange for people to continue to use their public health insurance. They are paying into a health plan. So this is just for 
health insurance specifically, but they want to go into the digital ID system um, that people aren't, you know, trying to use. And the big things I wanted to, you guys to catch there is that the reason they don't want to go into this, a very acceptable reason, makes sense, logical reason, is that they're afraid the privacy is at risk. They're afraid that's going to give the government more, you know, power for surveillance. Um, and that's essentially uh, what's always raised in terms of digital ID. Again, it's it's always, you know, hailed as like the best thing since, you know, sliced bread, the best thing since the invention of the wheel. <laughs> whatever whatever analogy you want to use. They, oh, my gosh, we need digital ID. You, won't, you know, God forbid you have to carry papers around. God forbid you have to carry wallets around. Let's not do that. Let's go into this new system. What they don't tell you, though, uh, is that, you know, once we get into the system, and if you totally get rid of, you know, anything paper, just like cash, if you totally get rid of cash, you're on this totally digital ID system, you can not just only have your health insurance link, so you can have your driver's license, you can have your money, you can have, you know, whatever it is, they can put into the digital ID. It can just continue to grow. And if the government believes that you're, you're crossing them, you're doing something they shouldn't be doing, you have beliefs that are contrary to what they're supporting, or, or, you know, putting out there, they can shut that stuff down. And again, this is why we bring this stuff up. We, we don't talk about digital IDs as much as CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Uh, but I believe this type of system too is just part of what may likely be part of the market to be system. Essentially all it's doing is that it's just gonna get people on a system where if you don't comply with what the government, the power of the day says, you can be shut out and that's what the uh, Revelation 13, 16, and 17 essentially shows the picture of. Now, I'm not, you know, and I always put this word of caution here. We're not saying that, you know, cryptocurrency as is today or CBDC as is today or digital ID as is today is the mark of the beast or is what's going to lead to. We're just saying that these kind of systems, these thought processes could be setting the stage for what the Bible says. Not that this exact thing that's in existence today is what the Bible says um, will take place during tribulation. So I want to make that clear as well yeah it's it's amazing because it, it seems like there's a lot of fear uh being driven into this um that is uh trying to push both sides in different directions divide conquer it seems to be the the methodology here and logic is actually losing out right. uh, and sound reason is actually losing out in in many cases um it's a bad policy to have digital currency it, it's bad for the population. It's bad for individual freedom. It's bad for your bank accounts. Um, but yet the whole world is telling you we're going to it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And we've heard that in California, you know, like it or not, here it comes. In fact, Gavin Newsom invented that phrase. Uh, he was famous for it. So it's coming and it's going to happen. And even though whole population segments are opposed to it, it's going to be shoved down our throat. Um, and uh, whether you have a, 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 your your freedoms are going to be eroded, and then the next step is the long slippery slope that this leads to is going to be a massive beheadings of anyone that doesn't want to bow down and worship the Antichrist, right? Yeah, yeah. the mark of the beast. Yeah, I mean yeah. this is eventually where the the whole digital currency is going to, right, Io? Yeah, yeah. We had a quick question here before we move on. I think it's a really great question, actually, by Roxanne. She said, so if the rapture doesn't happen before digital ID rolls out, as Christians, how far do we go with compliance? And, you know, this kind of goes back with what the first was just saying right now, that no matter what, you know, 
right right now, even though the church is still here and there's still restraint, the restraint is still here, um, people, you know, in authority, you know, the government officials, you know, pick your person, um, the powers that be, they can't take their agenda all the way because they're still restrained. And we see that, that Paul talks about that. So when the restrainer is removed, though, once the rapture happens and the tribulation happens, then it's like, you know, fear game and, you know, Satan and his demons and fallen angels can, they, they just have, you know, rain on the earth for a season. Um, but right now, we don't know how far this digital ID thing is going to go. Um, but we also know that, hey, we're not, we're not going to go into the tribulation. We don't know how much we're going to see. But at the same time, if it does come to a place where it's just like, hey, it just continues getting shoved down our throats, they keep pushing the line farther and farther and farther away, it may get to the point where we don't really have a choice but to participate in the system. Um, and that's not the mark of the beast system. So again, I want to make that clear. Any digital ID system that come, that could possibly come on that wouldn't be the mark of the beast. Um, so that would, so I don't know if, how I can answer that, but we'd have to see when that time comes. Because right now, we do have digital ID systems, right? We still have digital ID systems right now. We have digital, you know, um, currency, digital payment systems right now, digital currency systems right now. And right now we have the freedom to choose. I can choose to invest in Bitcoin, use Bitcoin payment, or I can choose not to. I can choose to use a credit card and use that digital form of payment, or I can choose to use cash. I can choose to some states right now through iPhone, you can actually put in your uh, driver's license on your iPhone and use that as a form of digital ID. So right now we have the freedom to either opt into these systems or not, but there's gonna come a time where they start pushing in more and more. And it's like, hey, if you wanna go into this building, you have to, we only take this digital form of ID. So at that point in time, it's gonna be one, determines the person, and two, it just might go so far that we can't live any other way but to use it. Um, so that, that's at least my thought process behind it. There, there is the other thing and there is consequences to to every action, right? Yeah. Uh, I I would say to, to look at your question, and I want to say it again so everyone understands where I'm going to go with this. So if the rapture doesn't happen before digital ID rolls out, as Christians, how far do we go with the compliance? All right, let's go back to COVID for a moment, and let's talk about um, when we were originally discussing it. We were saying, hey, look, it's not the mark of the beast, but it is Luciferian in context, right? Um, and we were recommending that you don't take it. We understood that there were some situations where you, people felt like they were forced to. And we were saying, look, it's not the mark of the beast, but it is Luciferian. There are going to be consequences to taking this vaccine, right? And at first, it was either cut and dry. A lot of people had different opinions on it. It was very polarized. Oh, you're taking the mark of the beast. You can't do that. And what we say was, look, pray about it. Seek God about it, you know, ask God. Now we're finding out two and a half years into it, right? There's a lot of consequences to taking that vaccine, right? People are sick. There's, you know, article upon article, and I don't want to get into that tonight, but there's articles about blindness and this and heart disease and strokes and, and all sorts of problems coming out as a result of taking the vaccine. If you come to a place where you are convicted by God, by the Holy Spirit, to stop engaging in the digital currency, then you need to. You need to listen, okay? As for me and my house, my wife and I, we've decided, no, it's not going to right? We're not going to involve ourselves in digital currency. Um, we still think gold is the best bet for hard currency, right? Um, land, property, 
those kind of things, hard assets. Um, because of what the agenda is. The agenda is to control, and eventually they're going to issue that control. You need to look at it and go, okay, okay, digital currency is Luciferian. Is it right now the mark of the beast? No. Down the road, are there consequences to you being engaged in this digital currency? Yes, there will be. So should you have assets in it? As a believer, Bible's giving you a warning. Listen to the warning, just like with the COVID vaccine. Listen to the warning, okay? Was it the mark of the beast? No. Is digital currency right now the mark of the beast? No. But are there consequences to currently be engaged in it long-term? Yes. And I, I think that that, from a biblical standpoint, I mean, what do you think? I, do you think I'm right on what I'm saying here or incorrect? Yeah, so all I want to say to this is, like, I think um, what we need to include in this discussion, because I do agree with some things you're saying, but in terms of, like, CBDC, I don't want to give people the impression that digital currency, well, technology as a whole is, like, evil or anything. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I just want to make sure, you know, people not get that impression that what we're not saying is that all technology ever is, like, evil or whatever, because technology in itself can be used for good, can be used for evil. You know, again, crypto, people are hailing it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. You know, it's decentralized, whatever. Um, but obviously, you know, that, that gets into investing. You can make wise and poor investments, and that's a whole different thing. But we do know that for CBDC, you know, CBDC in of itself isn't evil per se, but it can be used for things like government control, surveillance, which is what we're highlighting here. So right. I make that clear as well. And like it's just that with that understanding, then it's like, well, once these systems start coming out, because I mean, right now, right, we know the Biden administration is ready. Biden already gave a thumbs up for a US digital dollar, right? So let's say that comes out next year in August. I'm not saying it will, but let's say it does. At that point in time, we have the I Personally, if a US dollar digital dollar comes out, I'm not, I'm not using it, right? Because I know where it can go. I know what CBDC is going to lead to. So some people, some persons might use them like, hey, you know, it's not the market beast, whatever. That's that's their conviction. That's them. You know, I won't say they're not safe for using it, but personally, I won't use it. So I think in those contexts, you have to analyze those situations, see what it means for us, um, see what it means down the road, and then make our own personal decision. Because again, you know, we, we see what these things can lead to. So I hope with that understanding that that kind of helps you, Roxanne. That was a good right. great question, though. And when asked the question, what are consequences? What are the consequences? Well, let me give you an example of one, right? We're already seeing it where if you um, do not agree with um, transgenderism being taught, there are states right now, court cases that have happened where parents are losing custody of their children, right? Now imagine that you're pro-life on the abortion issue and the administration decides, you know what, you're gonna lose your bank account. We're gonna seize your assets, right? It's already happened. We've already seen this with the election, right? Um, certain, uh, in, in certain, uh, what are they, they, uh, Republican party officials, you know, have their bank accounts have been closed and not even by the FBI, but by banks themselves making the decision. Uh, well, Canada. Was, Canada with the trucker movement, I think earlier this year, last year, there's another rose. Yeah. And so we've seen this already happening. Um, with different banks doing this, uh, these actions are being taken place. So now digital currency, they just delete your account, right? You don't have that money. You never did. We took it away because it belonged yeah. to us. And that's going to be where things get really dangerous. Those are the consequences of being um, divested in that.
Yeah. Um, but thank you for clarifying what I was trying to say. And, and, and uh, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly on your clarification. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, go ahead. I know you had an article there that you wanted to bring up you know, as well. The, the main article I want to talk about is, you know, one of the big names always being cast around as an advocate for digital currency and the, the uh, World Economic Forum is, you know, French President um, Macron. Now, I'm, I'm not citing conspiracies here, but there are those out there that always seem to link him with an antichrist figure. And I get mm -hmm. it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Um, one of the interesting articles, and, and I want to discuss this this week, that came out was um, Macron arrived in Vatican City and met with the Pope for the third time, okay? Um, now, this is an interesting article, right? And there's nothing in the article that says anything that anyone would go, oh, wow, this is amazing, right? The article just says, hey, for the third time, he met with the Pope. But here's what... I want you to ask yourself, okay? Because I want to bring up, remember I brought up some of the interesting stats earlier. I'm going to bring up some more for you in a moment. According to the United Nations, the demographic for France is that roughly 60% of the population is Catholic. But here's the real stat for you. And um, I want you to understand that below the stats, you have to pull the meat and potatoes out when you're looking at stats and really find the truth at it. Only 1.5% of people who claim to be Catholics practice. They go to Mass each, each week. 1.5% of that population. Now, we know already that 25 million out of uh, 61 million population are atheists. So that stat about saying that, you know, you're looking over 60% of the population being Catholic is wrong. Only 1.5% are practicing. 9%, interesting enough, just to bring this up, 9% of the population of France is Protestant, interesting enough. And one stat points out that every week, 10 new evangelical churches are planted in France. So of the 9% of Protestants, 88% of them practice on a weekly basis. Now that's a really big stat. So that yeah. means that more people are practicing evangelical Christianity than practicing Catholicism in France. So knowing that only about 1.5% of the population is actually practicing Catholicism, why is Macron an atheist, self-described atheist, pandering so heavily to the Pope. You're smiling, I because you just got it. <laughs> no, it's a great just, question. You got it's it. It's a great question because we we're, we're, we're talking about this before too and the way you described it, I was like, oh yeah, that, that is a great way to you know ask this question because, and the reason part of the reason I laughed too is because you brought up, you started to say like, you know, you know people, you know, that's, that believe that Macron is the Antichrist. You know, we're not saying that. Um, and then we, have talked about the Pope many times and how, you know, we, we said, hey, we kind of asked the question, maybe we'll ask this question, oh, could he, could he be the false prophet? He's acting very false prophet-esque. So as we bring those two things together, it's just like asking this question, why in the world would Macron, who is self, you know, about atheist, 
yourself proclaim the atheist. Um, coming from this country and you explain those demographics, that's very, you know, they don't even practice Catholicism really. Why does he keep going to and visiting uh, this guy who is supposed to be, you know, representative of Catholicism worldwide, essentially, right? Pope Francis. So this is a very interesting question. I think part of it for me, at least I'm just stating my thoughts here. I'm not saying this is, you know, thus says Lord or anything. But we know that Pope Francis, you know, every time he says something, it's just totally non, you know, non-biblical. The, the guy's never picked up a Bible <laughs> except to like, you know, use it as a photo op essentially. I'm just saying, saying my opinion. Um, but he has espoused like, you know, communist beliefs. And we've gone over it so many times in the past. His beliefs are very, you know, they're about climate change. He's about the interfaith movement and the human solidarity and then Chrislam and all these things. So I believe that part of it too might be because, you know, that Macron being, you know, graduate of the World Economic Forums, um, globalists, whatever, that it's just two peas in a pod, that they have the same globalist agenda. I think uh, what Pope Francis recently said that we need this new like um, governmental system and things like this, that basically panders to what the globalists have been, you know, espousing for years and years and years. So it's just like two peas in a pod there in my opinion at least that's the kind of link that i've been seeing well let's not forget that the number one charity for the pope is the global solidarity fund which on its website says we support the agenda of the world economic forum the one world government yeah and we so mccuron and, and the pope are like you know two lovers are, uh, engaged in a love fest over the world economic forum right I'm happily skipping down the streets of, you know, digital currency and its, you know, agenda. I, I mean, it, it, I get it. It's just, you have to look at this article and you have to go, that makes no sense. Why does he keep for the third time go back and meeting with the Pope? Because yeah. it's about a globalist agenda and you have to keep that in the perspective of not just going, oh, that's nice. He met with the Pope. Wow, we're not, what a great guy. No, no, there's an evil agenda behind it. We just need to keep asking the questions. And as a Christian, Jesus warned us not to be deceived, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We have to keep asking ourselves the question, right? Yeah, you know, part of this too is, um, I mean, again, we've covered this. Pope Francis and the just the crazy stuff he does, says and the literally blasphemous hair radical stuff we've covered some of the stuff that he said and that he's promoted uh, many people have talked about it too Breitbart I know talks about Pope Francis of the world economic form like you know so frequently um but he's met with other you know leaders too who just go to him and it's like it's just crazy how much influence the man has and that's again a reason why you know Bruce Spine and I have joked in the past that oh could he be the false prophet this and that we're not saying he is but we've joked about it lots of people really you know ask the question could he be the false prophet because he's acting like like man like he's auditioning for the role right but we don't know yeah yeah but he, it's like he's auditioning for the role it's like oh not just macron but all these world leaders are just like loving him especially the specifically the ones who are more globalist in mindset right which we, we know why he's not biblical at all so it's not surprising uh, but it's just it's you just have to ask like why is he so popular in the world why do people love him uh, why is he seen as such a reputable source even amongst non-catholics even atheists and things like that they just love him you know he's again pushing this interfaith movement and things like that um so it's just 
yeah, it's definitely interesting to bring up and it just begs the question, like even not just Macron, but just anyone else in general, like that, that's not even about Catholicism. Why are they just so enraptured with them? So, but you know, we'll just, we'll just leave that with you guys. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not here to do any kind of, we're not here to Catholic bash or anything. Cause that, that's not even in the oh, discussion no. because there, there is no political base in which Macron can come back to his country and go, I gained popularity because of being with Pope. No, because it's, there is no Catholic base. In fact, the Muslim population is actually becoming the fastest growing population in France. Um, and within the next 15 years, will become the dominant um, population in France, according to uh, almost every stat that you're seeing out there that when you're looking at Muslim growth within France itself. So um, the agenda is, doesn't make any sense to go keep going and pandering to a population that's actually dying out and um it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever so i'm i'm saying it out loud and i'm going it just why is he doing this right yeah. Yeah, so there is world economic forum agenda and that's got to be there absolutely hey we've got another article that you wanted to discuss tonight which um we're running out of time here which yeah. is actually the um recent article regarding monkey pox um you wanted to bring up tonight um your thoughts on that yeah so i mean uh, if you have the article up, you know out in front of you go ahead and read it but essentially the article is you know and you, you probably should read it uh, but it's essentially how they're trying to supercharge i guess for lack of a better term these kind of viruses like monkeypox things like that that's recently been coming out how they're like i don't know if it's monkeypox specifically or different i think it's a different strain of covid that like they boosted up the lethality of it actually after doing experiments to like 80 percent and then people are worried like hey what about if this you know leaks out and things like that so let me read two articles on it that just make yeah. kind of sense and clarity government lab in maryland plans to create a hybrid monkeypox strain that is more deadly than one currently spreading in the united states when i read that right there more deadly wants to create one more deadly i go are you insane but it's maryland after all i mean and, you know, there's nothing like a, a good venereal disease running around the state of Maryland in the city of Baltimore, right? Um, you're just not Baltimore unless you have a venereal disease. Um, and here's another article, okay? This, this one was bad, too. This is from science.org. U.S. ways crackdown on experiments that could make viruses more dangerous, okay? So, yes, in one sense, the U.S. is going after making more dangerous, but in one sense, in the Maryland lab, what are they doing? Making a disease that is more dangerous. Now, yeah. what could this be about? Uh, maybe leading eventually to a pestilence that the SEALs are talking about. Um, I don't want to overreach here at all, but it, it could lead to something like that. But it could lead to something else. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we with the with the whole COVID thing, it's just it just kind of makes me just you know face bomb because it's like the the monkeypox thing that's a different news and I see it coming here for COVID. So what I was talking about earlier was COVID, um, and I don't have the details in front of me, but where they kind of uh, heightened the the fatality of the COVID strain to kill eighty percent mice they were testing again. Fears of like, hey, what about if that breaks out and things like that? And we've been and we've talked about in the past too how like people like Bill Gates, you know. They, out of the goodness and kindness of their hearts, they warn us about, oh, what about if another pandemic comes out and things like this? Um, and 
Yeah. So just things like that just makes people wonder, like, what are they doing? What are they planning? Why are they doing this? Why are they, you know, and they say they're, they're doing it for good because they want to study, you know, the, 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 the vaccines for this stuff and, you know, how deadly these things can be. And they're trying to, you know, use this to help humanity somehow. Um, but I know lots will do bring up the fact that, hey, could our tinkering with this, with these kind of diseases, be something that breaks out during the tribulation and eventually leads to, you know, the fourth seal judgment there is what you're talking about. Um, and I'll just read it so people know what we're talking about here. So Revelation 6, um, this is the fourth seal. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked and behold, an ashen horse and he who saw it had this name Death, and Hades was following him, or following with him, rather. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence by the wild beasts of the earth. Um, so that's why a lot of people within the Bible Prophecy Committee are really tuning into, you know, the pestilence is going on. That's why we've covered things like COVID. Um, you know, so, you know, the question is, could our tinkering, mankind's tinkering with these diseases, and right now, again, you know, earlier I said that, hey, right now the restrainer is, is in place. You know, Paul made that clear. But when the restrainer is removed, then the Antichrist comes to the forefront. Then Satan is, is allowed to do what he wants for a season. So the question is that, hey, when that restrainer is removed, is this, you know, pestilence that's being described here, is that part of mankind um, basically causing these things? And I know that, I know Pastor Tom Hughes and James Cadiz make that claim um, that the seals essentially are, at least the first four, are man-made or man-caused things rather than maybe God's direct judgment. Um, so I do know those things, that thought process is there. I don't know if I'm too much there yet. You know, I think it could just be simply God's judgment and maybe pestilences naturally occurring or maybe it is man-made, who knows? But we're just kind of like seeing what's going on and juggling this question. Could it lead to what we're reading here? Yeah, I, I think that tonight, you know, we looked at three facets of Bible prophecy. We, we looked at, number one, the digital currency and how it relates um, to the mark of the beast eventually. Um, we looked at, um, you know, the, the, the Macron issue and, and uh, we looked at atheism uh, on there and how it's leading to the great deception, okay, that Jesus warned us about. And then in this one right here, um, we're looking at pestilence and, and, and its role and what it's going to play in Bible prophecy. Um, there's so much to cover, and we, we just covered three quick facts tonight, and the time went by really fast tonight. But the end of this discussion, all these point towards Scripture, and that's what we always want to do, point to Scripture. And in the end, we want to have that Scripture always showing and clearly marking out that there's only one road to salvation. It's not through man. It's through Jesus Christ. And Ayo, why don't you mark down for us what you have for us is why we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, I mean, just like Brother Stefan said, like, we talk about these articles to ultimately point you guys to the gospel, right? For the believers, we always, you know, do, like, every, every Friday night, we always end off this way, so you guys should know. But for the believer, we use these articles to point to Christ in such a way as to, you know, get you encouraged concerning the times of living, right? Um, that what's going on currently, you know, as the world seems to be falling apart, Jan Markell says, I love her quote, the world may seem like it's falling apart, but it's actually falling into place, right? Everything going on is, is setting up for what God's word says will take place in, in the last days and ultimately 
during the tribulation, right? So as we see these things, it ultimately shows us that, hey, Jesus Christ is coming back. We got to be prepared. Uh, last week, you know, Verse Funk wasn't with us, unfortunately, but I went through eight reasons why he said about prophecy. One of those was to be encouraged. One of those is because, it, you know, basically helps with our sense of process. It helps us live holy lives. So that's part of the reason we share these things with you guys, to make sure that you guys are paying attention to what's going on, that you guys see that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And if you're watching this or listening after the fact, and you haven't, you know, placed your faith in the Lord, and if you're just listening to this, you're not even Christian, and someone sent this to you, you're like, you know, why am I listening to this? What are they talking about tribulation? You know, what is all this stuff? Uh, we, we point you to Christ as a non-believer, point you to Christ to share the gospel with you. And we want to share the gospel with you because the Bible makes it clear, without Christ, you die apart from Christ, the only thing left is to face God's wrath, right? When we die apart from Christ, it's hell, and then we face like a fire for all eternity. Um, so all of us are born into this world as fallen human beings due to uh, the fall of mankind in the garden, due to Adam and Eve's rebellion against God, because all humanity has fallen, um, there's nothing good we can do. So we can't like work our way up to God. We can't reach nirvana or, you know, or hope the universe, you know, saves us or, you know, all these different ideas from different religions, new age and things like that. None of that's going to work. Isaiah makes it clear that our good works, our righteous deeds are, are like, you know, rags, dirty rags to God. So that means that we can't do anything to work our way to God. We can't do anything to save ourselves. And because God is just, because he's holy, he must punish our sin against them. Because all sin we do, the psalmist says, is against God. It's against holy and just God. So he has to punish that sin because he's holy, just. Um, but because God is love, though, he provided a means by which we can be saved, right? So we don't have to be judged. So he sent his son to live a perfect life. Uh, he went on the cross to God's wrath in our stead so that if we believe in him, we can have eternal life. So we want to use this opportunity as well to just point you to that hope, to say that, hey, yeah, we're talking about this tribulation period. Yeah, we don't want you to experience these plagues and, you know, the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, bull judgments. That's still in the future. But the Bible makes it clear that our, our life is like a vapor, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. So, you know, we could be here today and breathe our last tomorrow. And if you breathe your last tomorrow, you have to face the Lord. So we also want to encourage people to not put off salvation. Today is the day of salvation, Paul says. So trust in the Lord for your salvation today so that when the Lord does come, he can come even right now, you have the hope that he'll come for you as well. Mm. So that's the, that's the encouragement I want to leave with you tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is right there. So as you're thinking about this week, as you're going on your merry way and going through work or um, going to church this Sunday, um, we want you to think about um, what we talked about tonight, you know, and that is, um, we talked about the deception that is running rampant throughout the world and for you to ask questions and to think and to be aware, but always go back to the scripture, search the scriptures to think about what you're seeing and how it relates um, to what the Bible says is happening. And that is the, the most important thing you can do and always keep your focus on Jesus, always looking for his return. Mm. That's the important thing. And everything that we do, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, loving your neighbor as yourself, and always looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, that that needs to be the focus of every Christian. And so we encourage you, as always, to search your own Bible, open it up, read it, and see if what we're saying is the truth. Yeah. Amen. Any last words, I have? Nope. That is it. So have a great night, guys. Good night, everyone. Take care.